If you have your Bibles and you want to mark them and read with us this morning in the book of Genesis chapter 24, mark that place for just a minute and then go to the book of Matthew chapter 25. Again, you can go to the book of Genesis chapter 24, mark that with your ribbons and bookmarks or fingers and uh, then you can also go to the book of Matthew chapter 25, Genesis chapter 24. Matthew chapter 25. And while you're turning those two places, I want to tell you uh, about something that I've kind of laughed about over the last few weeks. And I don't want to disclose the location because I don't want to sound like I'm uh, belittling or trying to make fun of something. But uh, the other day we had gone to a place and we ordered an ice cream cone. And uh, when they brought it to us uh, or we received it, there was an ice cream cone with no ice cream in it. And we just kind of stopped and puzzled and we looked and we thought, Who would want just a cone without the ice cream? It seems like one was made for the other. Now, you all may have some kind of secret something that you get an ice cream cone, you put this in it that tastes phenomenal, or you put this in it, but to me, ice cream cones are made for ice cream. That's just what they were made for. And I say that because it caught my attention very quickly. That's not what the way that's intended to be, but that's the way it was brought forth. Let me ask you something. Do you believe that there's something... God intended for human beings to possess. Absolutely, God intended for us to possess. Now, I'm not saying you're supposed to possess a lot of wealth or a lot of riches or a lot of friends or a lot of prestigious things. God intended for His presence to be in our life. And I believe that with all within my heart. And we're going to read in just a minute about a man by the name of Abraham that loved his son Isaac and he wanted to find him a bride. So there was a perfect match, and they just went together. It was going to be a perfect match that God intended. And I believe that God has that perfect relationship that can happen. And I'll tell you this, any relationship outside a relationship with Christ is not what He intended for us to have. Matthew chapter 25. Let me read just the first two verses. And then we'll read some more in just a minute. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened to two ten virgins. When the, uh, when the ten people were to gather together, it uh, justified a gathering or assembling together and things could happen. But let's keep going. It says, They took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom, and five of them were wise, five of them were foolish. Now the word wise in the, in the English language is much like the Greek language. It means intellect or smart. Or in other words, they were pretty smart in their thinking. Now, the word foolish, I hope you're not offended by this. I'm going to tell you what the Greek word means. Moranos. Moranos is the Greek word. And matter of fact, if you want to know the English word, it's what we might use as the word of moron, which means you're not thinking. I ask myself, how smart is it for people to live their life without Christ in it? Let me ask you something. Is it possible to live your life without Christ? I'm going to answer that. Yes, it is possible to live your life without Christ. But it is impossible to go to heaven without Jesus in your life. I'm going to say that one more time. You can live your life without Jesus, but you cannot enter into heaven without Him. So how wise would it be for people to live their life without Him? If we knew our point in time and we thought, well, I'm going to leave this world at this time, then I'll be prepared and we'll make that union happen right beforehand. But the thing about it is, we read here in Matthew 25, we're going to talk about, we don't know the hour by which it happens. Let's go back to Genesis for just a little bit. In the 24th chapter, I'm going to turn and read for just a minute. Abraham, being God the Father... 
Elazir, which is going to be the Holy Spirit. In other words, Abraham's going to talk to his servant, and notice what he's going to say. He's going to say, I've got a son by the name of Isaac, which is Jesus. Remember when Abraham had to offer up Isaac on the, on, the, uh, on the mount because there was going to be a sacrifice that was going to be made? He said, Abraham said, Elazir, he said, I want you to go find a bride, which is going to be Rebecca. He said, I want a relationship between Isaac and her, and that union is supposed to happen. In other words, it's just the way it's supposed to be. Now, I'm not trying to say like ice cream and ice cream cone or uh, socks and shoes and how things go together, but I believe that our life was intended to have God in it. Now, I'm going to get personal with you this morning. I'll ask you a question. Is God in your life? Not something you've got to tell me, not something you've got to rise up and tell, but I ask you, is God in your life? Now, I didn't say just on Sunday morning for a couple of hours. Is God in every moment of our life? Let's read it for can. Genesis chapter 24, verse 1. Sarah was dead, Abraham's wife, and Abraham was old. He said, well stricken in age. The Lord had blessed Abraham in all these things. So Abraham, being a type of God, said unto his eldest servant of the house. The servant is under the control, work together, you would say, under the control of the servant. God tells his spirit to go and visit people. And I believe that God tells those people, I have a relationship. Here's what the servant's going to do. Servant's going to go find Rebecca and say, I have a relationship with a man by the name of Isaac. Would you heed this invitation? Today I believe that God gives an invitation through His Holy Spirit for a lot of people to have a relationship with Jesus. But I want to tell you something about Rebecca and I'll tell you this now. Rebecca did not have to heed that invitation. But I bet you she's glad that she did. Why? Because she became part of an heir. Let's keep reading this. So he said unto the eldest servant of the house that ruled over all that he had, he said, put your hand right here on my thigh, right where they would carry their sword on the outside of their hip area. He said, put your hand right here. And he says, And I will make thee to swear by the Lord, the Lord God of heaven, the God of earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son or the daughter of Canaanites, of whom I dwell. He said, Amongst all these people that we are around right here, he says, Don't you find a wife for my son Isaac here. He said, I want her from my homeland. He said, that's where I want her from. He said, I want you to go back to my homeland. He said, I can't go there, but you can. Folks, let me ask you this. And this is going to sound kind of a, uh, maybe contradictive itself. God is not coming down to this earth. He sends the Holy Spirit down upon this earth. He sends the servant or the third part of the Trinity, the Spirit of God. You and I that are sitting here this morning, the invitation that we get in our heart is sent directly by God to have a relationship with Jesus because that's the way God intended. Let me ask you another rhetorical question. Does man always do what God intended? Go back and read the book of the beginnings in Genesis. Man has not always done what God did. Even in the very beginning, in the Garden of Eden, man has always, or I'll say always, Man will do things that messes up with God. He says, I want you to go not of this land. He said, but I want you to go to another land. And he said, the place, he said, that my kindred had taken to wife uh, my son Isaac. Well, notice what he said in that fifth verse. The servant said unto him, Peradventure the woman will not be willing to follow me into this land. I must needs bring thy son again to the land from whence thou comest. Abraham said unto him, Beware that thou bring not my son thither again. Here's what here's. I want you to look at this scenario. You've got Abraham that's old. 
You got Abraham that had all of this stuff. He had all these riches. Now I want you to think about this. He said Abraham was told by God, or excuse me, the servant was told by Abraham. He said, I want you to go to this land. And he said, I want you to find a wife. So the servant said, what happens just by chance if I go and I give an invitation and they won't listen? So why don't I just take your son instead and let your son see this relationship? He said, wait a minute. Sixth verse said, And Abraham said unto him, Beware that thou bring not my son thither again. The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, which spake unto me and is swearing to me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land. He shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. And if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath, and bring not my son thither again. He says, if this person does not want a relationship, I'm not going to make it happen. I don't mean this in probably some kind of a, of a derogatory way, but I believe there are people that exist, and I pray not even this place, but there are people that exist that do not want a relationship with Jesus. They don't want that. They, they, they want the ice cream cone, not with the ice cream. And I don't mean to compare the two, but it's the idea of something that, that, that seems outlandish of the way God intended, why would we not want that? We're going to read about the parable of the virgins in just a minute. I told you there were five that were wise, five that were foolish. He said, if you're going to give an invitation and they're not going to get prepared, he said, that's on them. That's on them if they're not going to, to, to have that relationship with them. So you got Abraham talking to a servant Wanting a wife for his son Isaac, and it's going to come from Rebekah. Uh, and this is what's going to happen here. Let's keep reading. So the servant said in the ninth verse, he said he put his hand on the thigh there of Abraham his master, and he swore unto him concerning this matter. And the servant took ten camels, and the camel of the master, and departed from the goods of his master were within his hand, and he arose and went to Mesopotamia into the city of Nahor. Now I want you to notice what he did. He went and he took, in that 10th verse, some of the good things. Now, remember I told you Abraham had a lot of stuff? Now, it would be impossible for Abraham to go say, I'm going to find a bride for my son Isaac to take everything that he had. So you know what he did? He said, won't you take just a sample of what I have and go show this woman whom I'm going to have for my son Isaac and give her just a taste of what she has in store. So you know what he did? He saddled up ten camels. Find that interesting. Ten again. He took his ten camels and he went to the place and they're going to find this lady by the name of Rebecca. You know what? All, all that she was going to see was just a small taste of all the riches that was waiting for her. Folks, I want to tell you something about getting saved. Let me tell you something about a relationship with Jesus. You do not get it in its fullness here in this life. We get saved, and I, I'm make sure I clarify this. You get saved to the fullness, but we don't enjoy the fullness of our salvation until we get to heaven one of these days. But we see that there was this relationship. He said, I want you to go, and they saddled up, and they went. And he made his camels kneel down, this 11th verse, by the well of the water. And by the time that woman came out to draw water. Well, this lady, she's a working lady. And he said, O Lord, my master, Abram, Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master, Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. He says, okay, I'm looking for a wife for your son, Isaac. You sent me to this land of people. I don't know who these people are. 
I don't know who this bride is supposed to be. I see that you're saying there's supposed to be a relationship that happens. He said, how am I supposed to know which one of these ladies is meant for your son Isaac? Notice what he's happened. And let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, let down thy pitcher. In other words, I'm going to give you the criteria by the needs to be met. I pray thee that I may drink, and she shall say, drink. And I will give thy camel's drink also. Let the same be that thou uh, hast appointed for thy servant Isaac, and thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. Now let me ask you something. If God's in the middle of something, is God going to make it happen? Absolutely. If God wants you to have a relationship with Jesus, is he going to just want you to have a relationship with him and then not provide a way for it to happen? Why would God lead you to a place where the relationship was kind of a, there was a gap, it wouldn't meet. And notice what he says in the 15th verse. And it came to pass before he had done speaking. Folks, that's what God will do. If you start doing your part, and we start trying to mesh, and we start trying to work on that relationship with God, and we start doing what God intended for that, he said, before he even got done speaking, he looked up and there was the woman that was set aside for Isaac, and her name was Rebecca. That's in that 15th verse there. So we see here that all of a sudden God provided for what he did. And he said, this woman came, Rebecca, that was born. And he says, the wife of Nahor, which is Abraham's brother, and her pitcher was upon her shoulder. Now the pitcher, you know what a pitcher is? Pitcher is a vessel that they would have if you were going to a place that there was water and you were going to take water back, would you not need a container to put the water in? In other words, if there was something that needed to have a housing for it, then you need something empty, not filled, but something empty to be able to fill it with. So you see today, I believe that God does this. And we're going to talk about the virgins in a minute that five were wise and five were foolish. God will empty your soul of all the cares and all the worries of this world. That's what it's like to seek after Him. But you know, God does not intend for us to stay empty. But you know what happens? People are running on empty around this world all the day long and they're trying to fill it with this. And guess what? It's like a hole in their vessel. It just empties on out. They fill it with this. And guess what it does? It just runs on out. They fill it with this. We fill it with all these extracurricular activities, all of these things, all of these ideas that we want to do. But I want, to, I want you to know something this morning. Nothing will satisfy you and fill you up like Jesus can in your life. I believe that God intended for that. And you can't replace that and try to come up with alternative. That's the way God intended. And God said that this woman came and said, and she had vessels there. And notice what he says. And the damsel was very fair to look upon and a virgin. Neither had any man known her. And she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. She was marriageable. Now, let me tell you what I mean by that. She met the criteria. She was ready to have that relationship with Isaac. Folks, when God shows you your sinfulness, do you know what happens when your sinfulness is shown by God in your heart? It'll empty you out. We call it a broken heart, but really is. It's an emptiness that's there. And all the emptiness and brokenness we had, people think, God, you're mean by making me hurt like this. Folks, God did not intend for us to stay hurt. God intends for us to be healed. And the oil that it talks about so often, not only does it burn, it also has a healing power to it. And you see, he said, I don't want you to stay hurt. I don't want you to stay empty. He said, I want you to be filled up. He said, I want that relationship to happen. So it says that, uh, that, that she came and said, and she went and she, the well, she filled up her pitcher and she came up. 
And the servant ran to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. You remember what Abraham said was going to happen? He said, not only is this person going to take care of you, but they're going, to, they're going to take care of your camel too. She said, drink, my Lord, and she hasted and let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him to drink. And when she was done giving him to drink, she said, I will draw for thy camels also until they have done drinking. It is a perfect relationship exactly the way God said it was going to happen. And you know what we can see here, and I'm not going to read all of this in its fullness, but what happens is, is that God had shown uh, through the servant Elazar that went to this place where there was a well of water. He found Rebekah, and Rebekah was going to be brought back to Isaac. And remember, when he brought these ten camels, he had a small sample of all the riches that was waiting for her if she would just leave behind everything she had and go to be with this man that she was going to call her husband Isaac. And, and that's exactly what happened. But I want to turn back to Matthew 25 for just a minute. It says, The kingdom of heaven is likened to ten virgins. In other words, these were, were, were marriageable people. In other words, they met the criteria that they could have all experienced the same thing. In other words, they were all the same. They were all ten the same. You know what I've noticed about all of us as human beings? We're all sinners, every single one of us. Every single one of us. We don't choose it. We're just sinners. But here's the question. If something's missing in our life or someone's missing in our life, what are we going to fill it with? Sometimes it's jobs and sometimes it's uh, shopping may do the trick or sometimes you may get on a bicycle or you may go get on the pond. And I'm not saying these things are wrong, but we fill our lives with so many things that Jesus said, I'm supposed to be the one that fills that void in your life. So notice what happens. It says, they took ten virgins, which were, again, all the same thing, they took their lamps and they went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, five of them were foolish. In other words, one was, was, was intellectually doing the smart thing and the right thing and some were using what we might call, they weren't thinking. They were, they were acting as if somebody that didn't know what was going on, but they did. Well, they that were foolish took their lamps, but they took no oil with them. Why would you take something empty? First Timothy 6 chapter in the 19th verse says this. Laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against a time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Folks, when you come before God and you're a lost sinner and you're seeking after Him, I believe that you have to be empty. And when I mean empty, I believe your soul has to have a desire to be filled with Him, not by anything else. So he said, I want this relationship to happen. He said, five of them that were foolish, they took their lamps and took no oil with them. So here you got the, the, the conflicting side of two different stories. You got five people that said, and they all had the same opportunity. But the problem is how they all reacted to what was going to happen. Here's the way the Jewish custom happened. Weddings happened at night. So what would happen is, is that while they were there at night, they would all have their torches and their lamps and they would burn. And when the, when the bridegroom would come, he would know where his bride was so that he could take her unto the marriage festival. Now, if it was dark, he couldn't see her. So you know how it is. A very identifiable mark is, in the darkness, just let your light shine and I'll know who you are. Now, I want you to notice something else. When we start talking about oil... Remember what we talked about in the Garden of Gethsemane, how Gethsemane means the place of the olive press? You take an olive and you crush it and it brings forth oil. 
And that oil will burn. It'll light. And I believe that Jesus, when he was crucified, or just before he was crucified, that I believe he was providing something that would light inside of us so that we could be found or we could be seen. And then there's a flax that would stick up. You know how a coal oil lamp works. It's much like that. They would take the flax and they would take it down and the flax would soak up the oil. They would light the flax and all of a sudden it was like a lantern or a torch. You see, we burn today because what Jesus has done on Calvary. What we have inside of us, what we're filled with. If you're, if you're filled with all the worldly things, first of all, they may not even be flammable. You, they may not even be able to burn, but maybe they're combustible, which means they're over in just a short time. He said, I'm going to give you something that will burn and burn forever. For he says, they took unto him empty vessels. But the other five, it said in that fourth verse, but they were wise and they took oil in their vessels with their lamps. If, if a vessel was meant to hold something, why would it not have something? You know, I want to ask a lot of people in this world today, say, if, if, if you've got emptiness in your life, what is missing? What did God intend for you to have in your life? Let me tell you, the world will just line up one thing after another. You need this. You need this. You need this. You need this. And you know what? Those things bring temporary or short-term satisfaction. He said, I want something that's going to be for everlasting. And he said, that's what this relationship is all about. He said, we're going to get married. We're going to have this union that's going to happen. Well, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. Now, all of them it did. So now you've got the five that were wise, five that were foolish. They all slumbered and they slept. And at midnight, there was a cry made. Here comes the bridegroom. He said, cometh. And he says, go ye out to meet him. Then all of those virgins, in other words, all ten of them, they arose, they trimmed their lamps. So in other words, here it is, it's time for this relationship to happen. They go running out, but there's something missing in their life. You know, it's really scary that a lot of people are leaving this world and they're not prepared because they don't have that relationship with Jesus. They don't have it. They don't, it's not together the way God intended for it to be. So you know what, the, these, these, these five that were unwise... All the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Wait a minute. You've got something I need. You know what happens to lost people? They look at saved people and they say, You have something I need. Let me tell you something about my salvation experience. I cannot take my experience and give it to you. And what I mean by that is, it's only good enough to get me saved by the grace of God and into glory one day. I cannot do that. You have to have your own experience with Jesus. Just because I've been satisfied, just because my needs have been met, just because I have that satisfaction in my life doesn't mean you do, does it? But you know what God said? He said, you know what? He said, when the bridegroom cometh, which is, again, we talked about Isaac and how he had these riches. He was coming for his bride, Rebecca. And we see that he said when he come, the, 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 the five that were foolish, they said, time out, wait a minute. You've got something we know is good enough, but now we want it for ourselves. That's the way the world will work today. They'll say, well, we know that we need this, but we're not going to, we're, we're going to wait until the last hour and let's make our preparations in. I, I'm going to phrase that a little bit different. A lot of people won't wait until they get on their deathbed and say, Lord, I want to get ready for you. The cemeteries are filled full of people that left this world without knowing it was going to happen. It's just going to happen. What about you today? Is it going to happen to you this very hour and this day? Are you ready? Are you going to say, oh, wait a minute, Lord, I, I, I'm not quite ready yet. For it says here, the, the foolish said, give us your oil for our lamps 
are gone out. Now, that just means they don't have all that they have. Now, notice what it says here. Now, you, you can give the translation of this just a little bit. It talks about how it was gone out. They were empty, meaning that they were not completely filled with the right things. But being gone out means that what they had was not continual or everlasting. You know what God does when he saves our soul? He does not give us a temporary life. The scripture says he gives us everlasting life. A lot of people have something that's not enough. Let me ask you something today. Do you have something that is enough? You ever see the child walk up to a cash register, not really been able to count money, and the cashier tells them they owe a dollar and they've only got 98 cents? They realize they're a little bit short. Folks, I'd rather you find out in this life that what you have is not good enough than to stand before the Lord and leave this world and realize what you have is not enough that you need full redemptive grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what he's talking. They said, these people had something. They said, they said wait a minute, what we have is not, it's not going to be continual. They said, it, it's going to be gone out. But the wise answered, they said, not so. He said, we, they said, we cannot give you what is ours. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. You need to have your own personal relationship with Jesus. Folks, your life meant to have Jesus in it. We fill it with people. They say, oh, these people, they're just the best thing that's ever happened to me. And, and I believe in that. I believe in good relationships in life. But I'll tell you this. There is not one human being that is going to be greater for you in your life than having Jesus in it. And what I mean by that is, there's a lot of good people, and my life is filled with good people. But if I had to surrender Christ for any one of those, I would not trade a single one for Jesus, for He is my number one. What about you today? Have you tried to fill all these needs in your life with people and circumstances and situations? They told him, he said, you can't do that. And not only did they just say that we can't give ours up, they said, you've got to go get it for yourselves. Notice what happens. So now the time had come in that 10th verse. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready, they went into the marriage. In other words, here's the wedding. Here's the relationship. You can come on in. Remember when the servant went to Rebekah? Or God had sent, Abraham had sent the servant, Eliezer, found Rebekah, found her there taking the, the well and took care of uh, not only Eliezer, but the camels also. You see, there was an invitation that was being given. Why don't you follow after me? And they have to heed that invitation. So you see here with these virgins, they decided, yes, we do need that. But when they went, the problem is it was too late. I've said this before and I'll say it again. There are people that believe in Jesus in hell right now. Hell has believers in it. The problem is they believed when it was too late. You all that are here this morning, you are blessed in the aspect of you are in a good time period of your life that you can believe before you die or you leave this world and you can get ready now, not after the fact. You must be ready before the time comes. Are you going to be one of those one day that lifts up your eyes in hell and says, Lord, I believe in you, but it's too late. You, the Bible says that wherever a tree falls, that's where it's going to lay. If it falls to the north, the Bible says it'll stay to the north. If it falls to the south, it's going to lay to the south. Once you leave this world, folks, there is no change in your destination. Are you ready for that moment? Are you ready for that hour? He said, these five that were wise, they were ready. They didn't have to make no preparations. They were ready. There were five that were foolish, and they needed to get ready. Well, it says, and while they did, 
while the bridegroom came, they that were ready went with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. You won't talk about an open opportunity. Here it is. The door was open. They could have entered in. So you know a lot of people would say, well, I know the store is about to close. Let me run back to my car and get a dollar real quick so I can go in and buy what I need. And while you're returning, that door closes and it's locked and it's too late. Now, in a much different concept, but I believe in a much different idea of that, or same idea, is that people are saying, Lord, let me run back and get what I need, and then I'll come back. That door's closed, and it's too late. Folks, today, is there anybody here, and I want to close in just a minute, but is there one soul here today that can tell me your door of opportunity is not about to close? How many of you say, well, I've got plenty of time, I've got plenty of time, I've got plenty of time. You may have plenty of time, but you need to realize is that that day may be this very day. So it says all of a sudden the door was closed. And afterwards came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know ye not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. How foolish was it for someone to bring me? And I know it's this, not really fair to compare but I thought, you bring an ice cream cone, and ice cream was meant to be in there, but why would you expect anything different than that? And then I think, Lord, why are people walking around in this life just as empty of what they're intended to have, and that's you in their life, but they won't come to the very source that can give them what they need? You know, a lot of times, if you have something in your life you're needing, you've got to go to where you need to go. Folks, let me tell you this. Do you think Jesus can get you what you need? I believe he can. And I believe that Abraham had a bride in mind for his son Isaac, and he sent his servant down to find that one. I Here I am convinced this, 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 this rainy Mother's Day in 2021, God's Spirit is coming down into a place like this, and he's given an invitation. And you know what that invitation is? Are you going to surrender what you have and come and follow after me? For I can give you a relationship that is like another, and it's a relationship with Jesus. This morning I want us to get a song if we can.